0: Hey there, all my speech-language pathologists, educators, gratitude family, how you doing? Today we're going to do part two of my frequently asked questions slash advice for clinical fellow SLPs and just newer SLPs. I know when you start out in this field as a service provider and you have this amazing beautiful heart for service to enhance the quality of life through facilitating communication, um, and, and other areas, right? With little ones, with adults, with, you know, with little ones or adults or high schoolers or middle schoolers and working with families. And oh my gosh, there's just so much that you are about to embark upon as a younger SLP. When I say younger, by the way, I'm not necessarily talking about your age, but I'm talking about what we might look at as years of experience in the job. When I was a clinical fellow, I remember the feelings of just full on imposter syndrome. You know, I don't know how they let me graduate was one of my frequently thought things. Um, just because there was so much I realized as I went into working in the schools, I didn't know. And at the time I had, Nobody telling me it was okay not to know. Not until I actually started my clinical fellowship in a couple months in, a very wise SLP reminded me that I wasn't supposed to know everything. So, this advice that I want to give, and I also got from other SLPs who wanted to share with you through this YouTube, um, is something that I really want my new graduate students to hold on to as you embark in upon your first years as a speech pathologist. I want you to have the advice that I wasn't given. Now, some people from my Instagram community have come forth and shared some advice that I'm going to regurgitate to you, but I also have some things that I wanna share as well. So this is all combined from all of us, from your SLP big sisters, if you will. The first thing I want you to remember, I kind of already said it, you don't know everything. And honestly, you're not going to ever know everything. But after grad school, I feel like, you know, you have this, um, almost like you've put yourself in this position of having this responsibility of needing to know everything to walk into your first IEP meeting or your, do your first assessment and just be perfect at it. I don't really know if perfection is something that falls within the realm of being a speech language pathologist and maybe I'm biased when I say that because I am a preschool SLP and so there is no such thing as perfect in fact we learn how to make perfect mistakes in preschool <laughs> um, you know I'm learning from mistakes all the time I'm learning from my students all the time but I think that that is something so essential going forward you know what once you graduate that you remember you are going to be learning from your clients. You're going to be learning from other professionals. You're going to be learning from other professionals that aren't even SLPs, you know, teachers, um, ots pts administrators if you're in the medical field you know there's doctors there's nurses there is just this wealth of knowledge waiting for you as you grow in your career it doesn't stop after you graduate it doesn't stop after your cf year it doesn't stop after your second year and so on and so forth we are always going to be in this place of learning so don't want you to go into your new job feeling like this you know imposter if you don't feel like you know everything because Nobody knows everything. The beautiful thing is, you know, the resources, you know where to ask when you don't know something. And that's the key. That's where the learning is. We, we learn a lot through application just as humans when a child is developing language, you know, and, and just taking on these very natural steps to language development, they learn through applying. They say, you know, they hear mom model more, right? And so they learn, Oh, if I say more, I get more food or I get more water, that kind of a thing. We learn through application. We learn through that reciprocity with our clients, with other individuals. I didn't learn how to do how to run an IEP until I was actually running an IEP. I knew the steps, but I didn't know the interpersonal connection that really needed to happen until I was in the mix. Something else that a lot of people agree on <laughs> is the, the importance of being okay asking for help and this ties into that idea of you're not going to know every single thing and that's absolutely 100% okay and you also have a support system well and you'll also have a support system. And even as a new hire in a school or in, you know, a hospital setting or a clinic, you're not gonna know everybody on, you know, a personal basis, but you do have resources. You do have places to ask for help. The beautiful thing about graduating in this digital age where we have access on social media to other speech pathologists and service providers, um, if you cannot find your answers, maybe at your current job, You have so many of us here willing to answer your questions. I get messages from undergraduates and graduate students even asking questions about applying for grad school just because you know there is this wealth of knowledge on these platforms now and so utilize that this next suggestion I absolutely love from one of my friends on Instagram Tiana she recommends and I highly highly support this idea don't be afraid to experiment meaning don't feel completely tied down to one population. When you graduate, you might have an idea of where you want to go as a new SLP and that's fantastic and go for it, do it, do what resonates with you, do what brings you joy, do what puts you in that zone of proximal development where you're having fun. It feels like play and you know, you're still challenging yourself and learning. Don't do something because everybody else is doing it. For instance, I was told in my final, I was told when I was getting ready to graduate or I was told when the time was coming before graduation and everybody was looking for jobs and thinking about their placements uh, for their CF that it might be better if I do a medical clinical fellowship because that would make it easier if I ever decided to go the medical route at some point. Now, Now while that philosophy might resonate with somebody else, for me it didn't make sense. I wanted to go into a clinical fellowship that I wanted, that was exciting for me, and the medical placement wasn't it. I went into the schools because that's where I wanted to go. And there's nothing wrong with that. It doesn't put me behind other SLPs. I can't compare myself to the ones that did the medical thing right off the bat, right? I'm my own speech pathologist. I'm my own human. And so you've gotta do what resonates for you. Now, another thing to keep in mind If you, you know, one year wanna work with preschoolers and the next year you wanna work with middle schoolers, or one year you wanna, you know, try out um, outpatient, you know, an outpatient clinic, or you wanna work with, you know, pediatric speech and swallowing, whatever it is, if you have all these things you wanna try, try them. Don't tie yourself down. Don't be afraid to experiment. That's the beautiful thing about our jobs. We can literally do anything, it feels like. And so do it. Enjoy it and and do what makes your heart sing. Something else a couple of you brought to my attention, and I truly believe in this as well, establish good collaborative rapport. Be a good collaborator. This advice came from a couple of teachers, not SLPs, but teachers were telling me that this was something that they would want to share with new educators or new speech pathologists. And I highly, highly agree. Now, I know in the schools sometimes it feels a little bit daunting. It can be a little bit stressful to think about going into a classroom and striking up a conversation with a teacher who may be in the middle of a lesson plan or whatever, or even just the whole idea of walking into the workroom for lunch and sitting with the teachers because you're afraid you're going to get a million referrals. Um, I, I get that. I've been there. What I have found is a really good way to open up the door just to solid collaboration is, you know, taking my kids back to the classroom after speech and having a quick moment with the teacher, maybe explaining what we did in speech, maybe explaining some of the successes or the wins that we had and celebrating moments about my students with their teachers, you know, and and kind of reinforcing those moments when the students are there and talking about how good they're doing. Um, Just sharing those celebrations is something that can really enhance our relationships with our colleagues because we're kind of setting that bar of like you know we come together to celebrate the wins we come together to support each other through some challenges we come together to learn we come together to problem solve and so it's really awesome when you do strike up those collaborative relationships now as a new speech pathologist my best advice into opening this door and doing this be open just be open, be open-minded, have that open door kind of policy. Not all the time. We're going to, we're going to get into this because my next point here about setting boundaries kind of, you know, you have to find that balance with it, but be open to learning from your other professionals. Be open to listening when they feel they need support. Be open to going to them when you feel you need support. It's really about, like, we would build rapport with our clients. We build rapport with our teachers and our collaborators. And this next point about setting boundaries early, early, early on in your career is so huge because it's going to do two things. You are going to one set boundaries in your place of work that work for you. If you can't have an open door policy, 24 hours of the day, you know, if you're only checking your email when you're in your work hours then do that because that sets a boundary for the people that you work with to know, okay, you know, this is when, this is the best time I can go to, I'll use myself, but this is when I can go to Marie, you know, this is when she's, her office is available. I have a sign. I put up when I'm in speech sessions that says speech in progress, please do not disturb because it's important for me to make sure that I set that Um, boundary, not that my teachers ever would disrespect that, but it just was something I learned early on in my career to do that way. You know, those things aren't getting interrupted. The point is set those boundaries early again, whether it's, you know, when you take calls from work, when you answer emails, maybe it's, you know, you setting a boundary with, um, with workload management. Maybe it's, you know requesting the support you need early on so you are determining you know the the environment that you need and the help that you need so that is an important one don't be afraid to set boundaries don't be afraid to advocate yourself from the get-go it doesn't mean you do that unprofessionally it just means that you allow for yourself to set those boundaries because then what you do is you teach yourself where they are. Now it might take time for you to figure out where your what your boundaries are and your clinical fellowship year is honestly a fantastic time to be doing that. But it's really important that you do that not only for the receiving end, but for yourself. So that way you are striking that appropriate balance. And when I say appropriate balance, I mean the balance that works for you, but you're striking that balance that is, healthy for you to thrive in not only as a young clinician but as a human you deserve to go into your first years as a speech pathologist already establishing these things not allowing yourself to get stressed out to be able to prevent burnout and mitigate it and mitigate the stress and the things that can come with a job where we are providing a very valuable service because we do something that builds connection and we are working with families and other people and we're working maybe with little ones with big emotions and we want to be able to support them, but we have to be supportive of ourselves first in order to be present with those populations. That is all I have for you today, but stay tuned next week. We're going to go into some journal prompts and mindfulness tips. I can't wait to talk about it until then. Say thanks more.